Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. I think speaking to Claire, it's, it's one of those ones that the start point really does make sense in terms of all the things that she's gone on gone on to do her mm. time in the army was um it was it's just such an interesting phase of her life but it gives a uniqueness doesn't it I, I thought it was very interesting on um her view on the fact of everybody should do a stint in the army because of what it gives you yes and i thought that was quite interesting especially as you know what the talk about is how do you focus young people yeah um, but you know but as you said it gives a great ground in it and explains sort of not explains, maybe that's the wrong word, but positions where she's been and what she's achieved mm. and how she's like almost that laser focus. Well, and I think that that driven side of things that you you refer to, you know, the work she's doing with that contemporary hygienist model mm. in terms of supporting hygienists and creating study clubs and an environment that positions hygiene, you know, really at the centre of good patient mm. care. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I say, uh, fascinating. Yet again, another one that as you slowly yeah. unpick, what's that thing from Shrek? Um, people are like onions, you know, and you slowly peel this back and there's more and more to people. Yeah. She, she was great. Mm. She was but also great. her story around her attitude about never giving up and what yeah. she's prepared to do to achieve things. Yeah. I think there's a there's going to be a lot more coming down the line from Claire. No, definitely. Really definitely. interesting lady. It was a great chat. So today we're joined by Claire Berry and Claire is an award-winning hygienist and facial aesthetic specialist, founder of the Contemporary Hygienist. Interesting to find out more about that. Yeah, yep, yep, definitely. A key opinion leader for Oral-B and Ivoclar Vivident and she's also devoted to fitness and does mud runs, triathlons and an Ironman, which would be surely an Iron Woman. Uh, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Steel Claire. Woman. Welcome Claire, how are you doing? Hi, nice to meet, nice to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, doing great, doing great. Super, super. Thank you for joining us. So your your pathway into dentistry is a real cracking story, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, you're incredibly fitness focused, and obviously appreciate that link between how we perform physically and our, our overall well being. So, as, were you that kid at school? Were you that kid at school that was always really sporty and always doing the sporty stuff, or is that something that you kind of grown into as you got older? No, I definitely have always had it. It's always been like an integral part of me, really. Um, I wouldn't say I was necessarily amazing at one sport and focused on that one thing. I very much was like kind of took a little bit of everything. So I wanted to play tennis. I wanted to play football. I wanted to do um, everything, yeah. and uh, and so I was kind of like. Um, one of those kids that was good at everything, could hold my own, but probably not a massive any. Mm. I'm sorry about the banging in the background. <laughs> I say, I say, it just made no. me laugh. It just made me laugh. No, that's For right. those of you listening, uh, Claire is having some work done at home. This episode has been sponsored by uh, Claire's Local Builders. <laughs> We're going to run that thing, check a trade. You know, yeah. The thing that comes across the bottom. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. screw fix or something. Or perhaps that's, perhaps that's Morse code for the builder's mobile phone number because he's trying to tout for business in a roundabout way. Yeah, that's Morse code. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's, uh, it's just interesting. Uh, you know, we were talking to... Um, uh, Robbie Hughes in a, in a different episode and listening to his his starting life. He was um, a world champion kickboxer, but that really, yeah, that really early days um, commitment to sport and that dedication to it has really carried through how he like runs his life. It's just interesting. Sorry, say that again. 
What was your favourite sport? So I, if I was going to pick the sport that I, I, I focused on the most, it was definitely football. I played football till I was about 17. Um, played for like, you know, start when I was oh, 10, right. played for a local girls team. It was, you know, we started it up. There wasn't many girls teams around. Um, and, and grew up with them really throughout my early sort of childhood. And then when I was about 16, moved on to Doncaster Rovers um, until I was 17. Then I joined the army and played in the army as well. So um I'd say, wow. actually, I've just said a second ago, I didn't really focus on any. I definitely focused on football. That was that was my focus. Um, so, so, Euro 22 then, you're really enjoying the footy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're doing amazing, aren't they? The female. I watched it last night. I tell you what, that cheeky third goal, oh, oh, those of you feel. listeners who have not seen it, yeah. go and watch it. I was, yeah. I was, if it was if it was a, uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if it was Messi or Ronaldo oh, or something, pages. it would be front page, yeah. you know, it would be back page, yeah one of the best goals ever scored but at the time we're recording so this at the point we're recording this England have, have won their semi-final so they're in the final of the Euros yeah. and my sincere hope is that by the time this actually gets published we can say it has yeah. come home yeah. Yeah. it truly has come home yeah. but no they're doing really well they're what position really well. did you play um, I was always when I was younger I, I sort of got taller than everyone else very quickly so I was always in defence but always wanted to move forward <laughs> so um, yeah but I'd say most of the time I was like kind of in defense. <laughs> but I enjoy it. I, I really enjoyed that. It was good. It was good. I got injured um, and then didn't play for a long time. And that was around about the age where you sort of start going out with friends and everything like that. But I get back up again once I joined the army um, and, and I played for the dental corps once I was dental. So, uh, so that was good. Now there's drilling. <laughs> yeah. That's no. very apt for dental. I was going to say it's a dental podcast. They're used to drilling. It's yeah, fine. that was um, that was very strategically placed there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you've mentioned being in the army and you were in the intelligence corps, uh, and that was your sort of pathway through into dentistry. And there's so many questions. Did that explain that? I, I was going to say, did that? Work, yeah. oh, I suppose also from the army side of things, did that kind of take you down that pathway of that hardcore fitness? Uh, what did your career entail? Working in the army, were there any? hairy moments where they're you know how did that produce a segue into dentistry Just, so yeah. a lot of questions. i'm just trying to work out how you get intelligence course get into dental how does that yeah. sort of work i think it's over to you on that one <laughs> yeah. right, we're listening i'm going to drink that i'm going to drink the tea so it's uh, down to you now well, I, take as long as you like i was from a, um, a military background so uh, it was right. kind of like you know in me to to join the army really all my um, mm. uncles my dad grandparents grandma and granddad on both sides were in the army um so very very military background and i joined the ta when i was 17 as well and when i went to uni i thought Do you know what i'm gonna join the army anyway so i'm just putting it off signing on the dotted line and just you know going for it so I left uni and joined the army and because I had A-levels, because I was at uni, I was kind of like um, sort of herded into intelligence corps, um, which was great. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic career, um, but I, I just quickly realized it wasn't going to give me much when I left. I mean, you don't hear of hmm. many people saying they're, you know, in intelligence, especially females. So I wanted something that was going to give hmm. me a good career when I left. And I was always really interested in anatomy and science. And so I thought, you know, I need a medical sort of um direction and um, oh, okay. and yeah and, and to be honest the dental hygienist course in the army is actually very sought after it's a tri-service course and not many people get it and so I went for it got it first time and that kind of like the rest is history became a hygienist and in a way kind of fell into it I guess but so so passionate about it now it was like it was always meant to be so I'll always thank you know mm-hmm. the the person that introduced me i mean i think i did some work experience in the dental practice because i lived next door to a dental nurse in the block 
and um and so I was like yeah this is this is the way I want to go so luckily I had all the qualifications to get me on the course and and the rest yeah and then you switch and do you switch out then so were you like intelligence core and then when you got on the hygiene core you switch out of that and go into the dental core is that how it's It's not set in stone when you go on to the hygienist course that you're going to pass it I think we we started with like 12 or 15 people and we actually qualified with only five so if you don't pass the course, oh. you go back to your previous career. So you're never really right, fully okay. fledged until you're um, until you're kind of like qualified into it. But yeah, it's um, mm. it's very much it's very much you switch from like intelligence to dental once you once you've finished right. the course. Mm. And you said that you were you were herded into the intelligence core because <laughs> I guess you got good academic results and they thought, oh, she's 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 bright. That would work in the intelligence core. If if that hadn't been the case and you hadn't gone into that core and you'd have ended up in in the mainstream army, do you think that would have had a bearing on whether you'd ever have had yeah ever had access to make that flip over into into dentistry? Yeah, I mean, um, it's funny you should say that, Chris. Actually, um, when I was in the TA, I was actually in the the, log- the logistics core. I was training to be an officer. Oh, okay. And so I had it in my head, you know, like I was, you know, I loved being um, being at the um, in the TA and being in. You know, I was training to be an officer at the time, and I decided very quickly I didn't want to be an officer in the army. I wanted my plan was to do so many years, like say five, six years, and then try and go for a commission, and um, you know, get like a little bit of life experience, a little bit of like I'm in the trenches yeah. with you guys at some point, and so I know as an officer, I know mm. how it feels to be um, where you are. So that was always the plan, and I wanted to go into bomb disposal or something like that. You know, something super. but they were like not many women go into that and I thought well that's a challenge that makes me want to do it even more and they kind of like went in they were like you really really should think about intelligence core and you know it actually on paper sounds very interesting Um, and there's some amazing things you can do in intelligence but um, not not everyone goes into languages for example and um, and be able to do that so um but then with dental I, you know after doing the work experience i thought you know that's definitely a career it's a lifelong career it's always going to be needed yeah and um, yeah mm. but if i had gone down that route of um, logistics for example i would have with the qualifications i could have still gone to the hygienist course yeah yeah right no. yeah and so did you still have to do the basic training when you joined before you joined the intelligence course yeah yeah so everyone goes through basic training i did mine um, in yeah. winchester so it was 12 weeks at the time it's now 14 weeks um, hardcore and it does set you up for like life skills honestly you know you I'm never yeah. going to be late for anything I will never you always respect your, <laughs> the elders but you always respect the people in charge of you um definitely gives you a, a self-discipline the fitness side of things you know I was already into that anyway. always look smart probably. <laughs> yeah um so yeah it definitely sets you up for life gives you some really great life skills and I, I honestly I think everyone need, needs to have a stint at doing something in the force I was going to say, what's your view? There's obviously the, the debate comes mm. and goes about whether young people should go through some form of, you know, basic training, you know, national subscription, whatever you want to call it. Would you, would you sign up to that? Having been through that as a personal experience, 100%. it absolutely sets you up for life, in like you know, life skills, um, social skills, people skills. You know how to conduct yourself professionally, properly, um, discipline, mm. self-discipline um ask you know the aspect of exercise and, and keeping yourself fit putting other people before yourself being part of a team a massive massive yeah. team that i would i could never leave work early say for example put me in the dental situation if i was a dental nurse or if i was one of the dental team and i saw someone was going to leave work mm-hmm. later than me i could it, it's not in me to just walk away and leave them to crack on and then i get to leave early that's fine 
you know you're staying behind and if we all leave a bit later we leave together we don't we don't leave one at a time and, mm. and someone's okay and i'm okay jack you know you have to, you right, have to work yeah. as a team and we're, we're all in it together and and sometimes you know when the you know when things are hard like you know when the when things are down and you're you know you're all working as a team to get yourself back on track or back on time. Or when me and my dental nurse are running behind and, and I'm like, come on, right, we're going to work together. We're going to get back on time again. And and then by the end of the day, we finish on time. I'm like, we did it. We did it mm. together. And I have like a real, I mm. really love yeah. that kind of teamwork it's, approach. To, it's a great but, feeling. Yeah. So those, those, those core life skills that you've taken, that's all kind of the good stuff and, and, and the positive bit. There's quite a lot of talk as well about when people leave, um, the armed forces and they then have to transition back into civilian life how, how, how was that how was that for you because i guess you weren't that kind of traditional soldier yeah. but you were in the armed forces so was, was that an easy transition compared to some other people or was it still quite challenging they were definitely easier for me um being dental corps you're kind of working nine to five you know mm. five days a week right, you right. you have when you're dental corps i felt like i was having all the best bits of being in the army and then feeling like i was also just doing like a nine to five job like you would be in civilian street yeah. i can understand how a lot of people struggle to transition from army into into civilian life because you know, when you're living in the block with all your friends and when you, it is a different mentality between, you know, your, your co-workers when you're in the forces, you're like all in the trenches together mm. almost. And then you come out and you haven't got that mm. anymore, that camaraderie, that support, um, you know, it, it, I think I can see how it is difficult for people, but me being kind of working in a nine to five situation in the army and then leaving and doing a similar role, almost mm. exactly the same role when I was out of the army definitely made the transition easier for me. Um, the thing that I struggled with is in the forces, I got, you know, lots of time to do my treatments. We were giving, you know, we would give TPs away if someone wasn't. So my, my, my core role was really to get people physically and, and oral health fit for, for deployment. So, um, for example, mm-hmm. one of, uh, one of the places I worked, it was a Scottish battalion. They were going to Afghanistan. So we were trying to get them fit. We were doing DNA testing on them so that when they went out, they were, um, we had, you know, their information, but then also that they were medically fit to deploy from an oral health perspective. Right. And so yeah. I, I always remember one guy who just wasn't brushing his teeth. And so I got him back every morning at eight o'clock in the morning to be like, you have to get, you know, you have to do this. It's not about you anymore. It's about you. Yeah. If you're out in the sticks and you, you know, and you get toothache, you get toothache. you're not able to perform at your best. And then people have to get you back to camp and that's dangerous. You have to, after yeah. yourself because that's also helping you look after your your teammates so um and mm. so i could do things like that when i was in the army and then you get out of the army and then people are paying for your services my first patient mm. when i left uh, the army and i came into service it was a 92 year old woman and you can imagine <laughs> bless her she was lovely wow. but i was like i usually treat fit healthy you know 18 to mm. 65 year olds like i don't i don't treat, yeah. I don't treat it was a bit of an eye-opener and yeah the length of and Claire, did you, um, in your time, did you go to different places? I mean, you said you're uh, wherever it is, the Scottish region. So did you go over a city to, no, to Afghanistan or Iraq or any place? No. Like so when I, when I um, beforehand, I was meant to go to Iraq in 2005. No, sorry, 2007. But I got onto the hygienist course and so I couldn't go um, because otherwise I'd have spent right. too long away from, you know, because obviously the hygienist course was right. a few years. So. Um, no, I didn't end up going in the end. So I did. I did seven years of service, and I have no medals to show for it. Hygienist, <laughs> 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 you, you were no longer deployable because your job was to, to get right. people ready to go. 
Oh, is that is that? That's oh, because I was wondering when they deployed you. So they yeah. didn't. So, so once you're a hygienist, you stay in the UK. Yeah, um, dental nurses, dentists, they would go over, but dental hygienists, no. So I, I knew what. Mm. Why is that? Just that's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they don't actually have hygienists in the army and the RAF now, and they have locums. But I think the navy still have a couple that go onto the ships. Um, so it's not even a role that you can do now. But um, yeah, I think the reason being is that like, a dentist, mm. a dentist could do kind of the things that I would be doing and then it would be just sending another body over yeah. there. So our role was kind of primarily oh, true, getting people true. prepared and, and keeping them mm. fit whilst they were whilst they were at home. Mm. And your your training, Claire, obviously you the training programme you went through is quite different to the traditional training that hygienists would have gone mm. through. Uh, are you now you're qualified and you obviously interact with lots of other hygienists. Um how do you behave in terms of how you deliver treatment based on the original training compared to those that were trained in a in a more traditional setting? I'm not saying better or worse. Is it just different? Do you different? go about yeah, your work in a different way? Uh, Interesting question. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's exactly same. the same. So the course we did in the army, right, even though okay. we qualified, yeah, that was a boring answer, wasn't it? Even though we Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we use a bayonet to clear the, uh, clear the top. <laughs> that would have been much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't yeah, we don't do anything differently. Unfortunately that was the boring answer. It's exactly the same. So the course we did was the was the same as some of the the routes that the, the hygienists we did our course right. through um you know, we qualified through Royal College of Surgeons Edinburgh and we had um, examiners come down and we did all the same exams, all the same papers. So, yeah, no, it was exactly the same. We do the same thing. Fine. And so rolling forward and bringing this up to date, you now work in a beautiful private practice um, in the north of England, in Leeds. I think you're there, is it three, four days? Four days a week. Like that, well, four, five weeks. Yeah. So some weeks we have to yeah. open Saturdays to deal with the amount of patients. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that was. Right. Did you hear that? <laughs> Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, it's like the gong. It's like the, the lunch. The lunch gong <laughs> went off. <laughs> but alongside that, you also it's have co-founded the Contemporary Hygienist, which is a nationwide study club, which I find fascinating. What was the what was the driver behind that? Is it, in your opinion, an, an underserved segment of dentistry? What was the what was the thought process mm, behind yeah. creating that? Yeah, so it started in 2018, 2019. Uh, um, me and a girl called Faye Donald, we, um, she, she works quite close to me in Leeds as well, Leeds and York. We just felt like we wanted to support hygienists in our area, really. So it was a Leeds-based thing initially, and we would have them come down to my practice at Yorkshire Dental Suite, and then we'd do an evening, put some food on. It was very... Uh, we'd, we'd do a little bit of CPD, you know, do some topics that we thought were relevant for them. And um, and then it was kind of like having a, a platform for people to discuss their problems or their wins, you know, um, get people talking and get people together. The thing with being a hygienist, it's quite a, an isolated role. And so we just wanted to bring it together. Mm. And then that we did, we very quickly realized that this was something that people really, really wanted and really needed, especially when they were newly qualified. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't just have it for people in Leeds, if we meant, you know, spread out to like Manchester and go to other places as well. And we talked about it all the way through lockdown. Should we bring something that's a bit more nationwide? And then in 2020, well, this year, so January this year, we uh, we were like, right, we're just going to do it. And we um, we did one in Manchester, we did one in London, uh, Birmingham. It's sponsored by Oral-B and EMS. And um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's growing and growing. We've now got an online platform where we offer online CPD through Dentistry um, CPD. So we work with them for mm -hmm. that. And um, we put on their eBooks and templates for like referral forms and, and everything like that as well. So just offering support Brilliant. and, um, and, 
I guess, um, you know, a platform for people to learn more and, and get together as a community and just not feel as isolated. I think that thing to be able to share, I think it was quite interesting to share the wins, but also maybe the, the not so wins in a confidential yeah. environment with other mm. people who probably, yeah, don't worry. That's, that happens. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like, you know, we, we say to them all, it's a safe space. You can guarantee it's happened to us all. And people who do ask the questions, everyone's like, yeah, I felt like that as well, but you would never necessarily yeah. reach out and let people know that on a open mm. platform like Facebook or, or something like that. And if you no. don't, and I think that's a real it's a real shame and a flaw. The the um, the aircraft industry. There's a there's a book Black Box Thinking uh, by Matthew Syed, and it talks about the aircraft industry. And the reason that that there's so few um, serious catastrophes in 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 the airline industry now is because they share all their data and information. So if ever there's a black box incident, that that failure of whatever sort gets shared across the whole industry so everybody can learn in real time so nobody makes the same yeah. mistake again. Which if you then extend that principle out to what you were just saying, it's a shame that somebody can't have a, a failure or something go wrong in a clinical situation and not have the safe environment to share that so mm. that others don't make the same mistake for fear of being vilified or I think blame. You know, I think we yeah, live in blame. such a blame reported, culture. Reported to you know the um, the GDC or yeah. whatever else or it might sued. be. Yeah, and it's a shame that you you end up having to have kind of these micro environments where people feel comfortable to to have those mm. those conversations. Yeah. And then also as well with social media, we we only ever see people's like wins on there. You only see people's best. Bits. So you, yeah, it's very yeah. easy to think oh gosh I, i'm not successful because i'm not you know got all these followers can you hear me okay sorry mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah the motorbike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think social media has definitely made people feel like they're not um, either successful or they're not doing if i'm not doing the same thing as them then i'm you know am i even worthy mm. or good enough and so um you know we, we wanted people to sort of see that everyone is doing the same things and that when we see people's best bits they're still got their their failures and the things that you know that they're they're struggling with and they're worrying about as well so we're all uh, we're all the same i so think that's really hygiene is so important and oh, i think good, it's yeah. the future you know you think when you look at delivery of dentistry i think the the combination of hygienists therapists and dentists is there's got to be way more <laughs> use of of hygienists and therapists to be able to deliver i just think it's a well i think we were saying that just just last week the the nhs reforms came in and or the the start of the nhs reforms and they said that now therapists will be able to open treatment for patients whereas before it had to be opened by the dentist but then a therapist or hygienist could then deliver the treatment the therapist can actually open treatment mm. and i think for me that kind of just cracks the door open in terms of where it could go in all dental care professionals being playing a larger role mm. in terms of delivering that delivering that care has has the the extent of of what you do and how dental uh, hygiene are treated in a wider dental practice environment changed in your experience yeah, over the years has that improved oh definitely i think i think it's improved for um, patients as well i think patients are really starting to understand what hygiene i think mm. very much when i when i first qualified I don't think a lot of people knew what a hygienist was and what a hygienist did, including probably some of the mm. dentists as well. And, um, you know, like what, what we, what we could <laughs> offer to our full scope. Um, 
you know, the this the, the scope of practice for a 1950s hygienist physically said scale and polish, and that was about it. And now, you know, we've got all these different things that we can do. So I think it's definitely within the industry, people starting to realize the potential of hygiene and therapy. Um, and then patients as well, they're starting to be like, oh, okay, so the hygienist does that and the dentist does that. And um, I think I think they still need to learn a little bit more about what therapists can do. But in terms of a hygienist, I think we're definitely being more utilized and more um, valued in the in the team. Um, um, this definitely feels like there's a big shift coming, especially with what, what you just mentioned there about therapists too. And sort of having, mm. you know, if, if this needs to be done, you go to this clinician. If this needs to be done, you go to this clinician. And, mm. um, and we're very much being used now a lot like that for like the oral health side of things. In fact, um, at the practice I work at, we decided we weren't going to call it a scale and polish anymore. It's no longer called a clean. You're not allowed to say those words because that's really, um, it's, it's directing patients to think that's what we do. We scale and we polish and we call it oral health mm. optimization because it's all about optimizing health ready for either, you know, optimization it's before nice. restoration, yeah. optimization before cosmetic. It, it means change your words, change exactly, your focus, change yeah. of words, change of mindset and how we perceive what my job role is. And so when, when we started talking like that as a practice, they started saying, oh, my God, I don't want to do composite bonding or veneers without, um, you know, oral health being optimized first, because actually my results are going to be aesthetically better. They're going to last longer, um, you know, mm. and uh, and health should always come first anyway, as, as we all believe. Mm. And then as well, on on the back end of, end of that as a byproduct, but not, you know, as a as a fourth thought um it actually is more profitable because now you're seeing hygienist numerous mm. times before you see the dentist for your treatment that you're desperately mm. wanting to have and ethically it's going to be done on a healthy platform as opposed to um, just putting yeah. it into any sort of foundation. do you remember that guy who uh, years ago we, we we occasionally do lectures about business performance and stuff and i still remember that dentist who said that his line is the fact of would you build a house on dodgy foundations and he said, you know, basically that's what you need to have. You need to have a, mm. a properly uh, good oral health before you even start doing yeah. any work. And I think that's, that's, mm. that's so true, isn't it? And, and I think maybe you're right that people are understanding that that's more important. And, and dentists mm. are now, you know, realising that actually you guys are useful. I think what's, <laughs> what's really insightful is that it wasn't... Um, <coughs> It wasn't led by a piece of technology, you know. I know um, you do a lot of work with EMS on the guided biofilm therapy, but all, all you effectively did here was just change the words and the language mm. of how your same service was yeah. perceived, and it suddenly had completely elevated status. It became significant in the delivery of their wider treatment and their ongoing oral health just by tinkering with the words of how you present it i always find that fascinating how you can just describe something in a different way and it gets received in in in, in such a yeah. different yeah, yeah. gourmet burger yeah, yeah. A burger. It, yeah. It, it, it so much better i mean it changed the whole pathway of patients moving through the practice as well so what it what it turned into is every single person that has a consultation their next step is see me and sometimes it's see me numerous times before they move on and have the treatment like i say it's optimization before restoration um, which then meant I went from from that practice, I was working there two days a month. It went from two days a month to, I mean, I could work there six, seven days a week and I'd still have enough patients to, to keep me busy. I'm there for five days a week. Um, and so, um, and we're, we're to capacity. I'm fully booked now till November. And I mean, that's not great for business, you probably can wow. imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. yeah, because the pathway just turned into actually when I do my treatments, I, you know, I actually had a patient yesterday who was, who had his consultation in March, 
he was seeing me because he can't move on to the next stage until, you know, and I saw him yesterday and I was like, wow, I'm so sorry you had to wait so long to see me. But he was like, oh, no, 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 no. I know I need to have this sorted out first because I want my treatment to last because the conversation at the consultation was done properly that the patient saw the the importance of Mm. my role before he would move on to the next bits. And so he was like, well, Mm. of course I want to stay at the practice. Technically, he could have gone elsewhere and got it done quicker. But he was like, well, I want to go to the practice Mm. that puts that ahead of anything else because I, if I'm paying all this mm. money I want it to last and I want it to look the best it could look and I and actually mm. I should be putting health first you know I'm in this position because mm. I didn't and so I want to change that yeah but also how elevating for you to be presented in a yeah, way where you've matter, got yeah. patients who are like well I'm not going anywhere near a dentist until I get my hygiene optimized yeah. that mm. you know because i'm sure there have been times when um people haven't been particularly complimentary about you know uh, um, within, within a dental practice environment yeah. you know it's kind of a, a lower level treatment but it sounds from what you just described that it's actually up it's right up there with what the dentist is going to be doing it's a different dental it's almost like having your mri scan before yeah. you have you know a diagnosis or something yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't the, you wouldn't go in for a cardio and the bloke would say i tell you what hop on the table and we'll have a go yeah. we'll have a and around. see what yeah. happens they want to do something else yeah uh, and it must be as you were saying it must be interesting so I, I bet your experience is not the most common experience the most common experience is is that they're not presented in that way and, and I'm assuming that's changing. But what you I think it's changing. I, me and me and Faye actually, when we when we developed contemporary hygienist, we uh, we quickly went on to realise that you know we're trying to get clinicians to um, mm. realise their potential, realise their worth, and um, uh, you know be more autonomous, be business people um, as hygienists, or like a micro business within a business if they're self-employed. So we were very much working with people like that, and then we realised actually, you know, we're preaching to the converted sometimes when we're talking to therapists so we were like we need to get into the practices and change the practices because this idea of optimization before restoration and oral health optimization as a treatment concept needs to be across the board because if we were all working like that Mm. then you're putting the hygienist and the therapist like you're in the you know giving it more gravitas and giving it the the value it deserves and and with that as well comes um you know a business model which works ethically ethical profitization is that a word but you know that's uh, it works in that mm, way yeah. so we were like we need to get into the practices so we developed like a bit of a consultancy element to it as well and we go into practices and and teach the whole team so it's not about teaching the, the hygiene have this word mm. you know these words and what mm. and what it means is teaching the referring clinicians how to talk about the hygiene department yeah. and um and your health department and the experts which are hygienists and and therapists because that's what we are we're experts in oral health and so if we're talked about in that mm. way then you can also you yeah. know if you're charging 40 pounds for a hygiene appointment i pay more of, more than that for my haircut you know so if you're yeah. charging forty pounds for a hygiene appointment, you're putting it on a level in a patient's mind with like an yeah, yeah, trip. That's yeah, a trip, <laughs> you know. And that's not, that's not yeah, a health yeah. treatment, then, is it? You know, I don't go see my physio and give her twenty pounds for an hour's treatment. You go in there and you're going, "This yeah. is something that's going to benefit my health." And so, if you're talking about it in the right mm-hmm. way, you can charge the amount that um, puts value on that appointment being a health appointment, mm. you know. And I don't think there's anything embarrassing about that. I mean. You know the practice. The pra- you know it's it's obviously worked incredibly well for Yorkshire Dental Suite, but it is a business. And as a business, it's not it's okay to make profit. And like you say, it absolutely has to be done ethically and, and mm. patient centered to make sure that it's it's what they need. But if as a product of that, you've gone from doing two days a month to six days a week, if you wanted to, that. 
that's a success on every yep. level. And like you said, in, in many ways, the clinicians that you're talking to already get it. It's how you get it into the, the wider dental yep. community to understand that this is actually good for business yep. as well. You know, it, 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 you'd hope it would always be a given. It has to be good yep. for the patient. But once you kind of step back from that, there is a business dynamic here that means it is. Yeah, very I mean, I, I struggle to talk about money when it comes to um, to you know with healthcare because I think it should always be about the patient, and that's what's good about this is that it is actually about the patient. It's putting the mm. patient first, making the treatment, you know, better, mm. longer lasting. You know, and and underlying that, you know, you've got health, which we know oral health, systemic health, are so closely linked. So you're not only dealing with someone's mouth; you're actually potentially helping them to stay systemically healthy as well you know i i've looked at you know as you know i like fitness and so i've done a little bit of research into um you know the whole marginal gains and with if there's any you know with oh, elite professionals it. and elite sports people and, and athletics all it's all about marginal gains and if there's any inflammation anywhere in the body it can impact their overall you know health and fitness mm -hmm. and so we want to lower the amount of inflammation in the body well a common cause of inflammation a chronic inflammation in anyone's body is gum disease so we can eliminate that's something we can stabilize it's something we can prevent and so you know we're starting to see football teams put more emphasis on on oral health care and, and go and see their dentist teams having mm -hmm. you know dental teams that work with them and and you know the Commonwealth Games. You've got a dental team now. The Commonwealth Games. Mm. I actually is working mm. at the Commonwealth Games um, at the minute. And so you know they've got a hygienist that every single athlete needs to go and see a hygienist about their orally oral mm. health fit. You know, it's interesting. It's servicing a car, isn't it? It's protecting your investment. You know? Yeah, I, I always think people don't realise how valuable their teeth are until they lose them. Yeah, and then they have to pay thousands to get them replaced. Yeah. And if you were able to say to them, actually, you've got, you know, you could have a hundred thousand pounds worth of teeth here mm. how much would you spend to make sure Keep you kept your hundred thousand yeah. pounds worth of teeth yeah. but somehow because we're born with them we're like uh, oh they're just teeth. we always feel invincible yeah. we're not, in our 20s we're invincible no one goes to the dentist in the 20s you leave home at 18 go to university and the next time the dentist yeah. is going to be 35 in tooth in pain you know so I think yeah. flipping <laughs> it like you said there chris is quite interesting because actually then working with a hygienist every so many months you know um, for lifelong care, because I always call it lifelong care. Everyone needs to see a hygienist. If you're healthy or if you're not, you need to have lifelong care with a hygienist. We're there to prevent. The mm. thing with um, oral health is that like, things can change and can go down very hill, go downhill very quickly. And um, and it's not that we don't trust patients to look after their mouth. It's that there's so many nooks and crannies they can't reach that we're here to reach those nooks mm. and crannies and, and work with them. And so it's an investment, actually. Because if your mouth was if yeah. worth a hundred pounds worth yeah, of treatment, is, yeah. if you look at implants down the line, actually, it's an it's an investment to maintain what you've got. It's almost it's almost like creation of a ready reckoner, isn't it? That sort of says, yeah. like, you know, based on this is what will happen, and if you don't do this, this is on average you'll end up paying this amount of money to repair and replace, yeah, rather than spending this. Yeah. I mean, you probably can't do it, but it's it's sort of trying to evidence to people, look, guys invest now oh, because yeah. you're going to save in the, the future yeah that, yeah and what's so that's so the amount of people that i see down the line and they say oh, i wish i met you 20 years earlier or 10 years earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah hindsight's an amazing thing <laughs> it is it, it is. is and you're obviously heavily connected to the profession through your kol work with all b and, and ems what what does the future like the, the, the long running future look like for hygiene in terms of sort of long term dental care? Are, are we going to see 
changes coming in the years ahead of, of how hygiene is feature in dental practices beyond the work that, that, that you just yeah. talked about now? I think it's going to become commonplace to see hygiene clinics on the on the uh, the streets like you do dental clinics. Mm. I think that's going to become commonplace. And Andy, as you know, I'm, I think I reached out to you not long ago because I was like, you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, we need to get the banks to change their stance. Yeah, well, I think we had that conversation as well about the difference between how banks treat dentists it's compared to treating hygienists. With the contemporary um, hygienist thing, I, I wonder whether there's some element of having a conversation with one of the banks. Just I'm sort of just spitballing, really, having a conversation with one of the banks that says, "Look, guys, mm. really, there's a there's a almost like a." A working group. I don't know quite. You know, there's almost like a. I don't know a, this community and and how we could persuade them mm. to be more generous to to hygienists because actually financially it does work. We know that it financially works. It's just that their policies aren't written to accept it. So we just need to change a policy. Mm. Anyway, mm. I mean uh, there are. Musing. I mean there are some hygienists that that own dental yeah. practices, but I, I agree. I I I don't think we're there yet, but I think there will be. Um, hygiene-led retail outlets that mm. just focus on oral optimization. Love yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah, we coined that because we, we just wanted to get away from the whole scale and polish idea. Yeah, we, yeah, we love yeah. that phrase as well, trying to roll that out a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I think it's, become, it's going to become commonplace. And I think it needs to be because I think it gives um, access to care to, to the public. It's um, it's a much easier access to care. You, we've seen a lot of patients mm. come and see us mm. that won't go to a dental practice because of fear. Or um, and it's a really good mm. gateway into um, into sort of getting them, you know, treatment that they need. Um, and some people just want to continue seeing a hygienist, be it cosmetic, because they want that that level. You know, I always say give them what they want whilst telling them what they need until what they need becomes what they want. So you know, we have a lot of patients that come initially to see me. Yeah, That's nice. they initially see me for like oh stain removal, and then they. Well, we're probably <laughs> that one. Yeah, just they continue to see me for lifelong care because then once you start talking about health and everything like that, they're like, oh, actually, as a byproduct, it looks better. But actually, now I'm seeing you for a health uh, benefit as opposed to the cosmetic. And as a byproduct of the health benefit, there is a nice looking, fresh looking smile at the end of it and uh, and the benefit in the health. So, mm. so yeah. You're you're a very dogged, determined type person, aren't you? You know, just um, the things you've done, the things you want to do, and and just talking to you today. Uh, you also did a, a Ironman challenge as well, and but you or said but, steel woman, yeah, but you but, 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 but you said you did it without oh, much yeah. training. So what was the what was the the the, the, the logic <laughs> and the thinking behind that? Because that that sounds quite did challenging. Did it go well? <laughs> If that's the, it's the way you went home, yeah. <laughs> was this was this the exuberance of youth just kind of spilling it wasn't over? It was actually 2017. Um, basically, I think again, it all comes back to the army, the the growing up, interested in sports. Um, one thing you have to realize with the army comes, you know, aspiration, challenge. Um, when I when I actually left the army and became a, a hygienist in Civvy Street, I realised very quickly there was no promotion. There was no where where's the, where's the pay rise? Where's the promotion? Where's the courses that get me that next mm. level? And I wasn't there anymore, so I had to create that for myself. And that's when I started, you know, 
um, doing more courses. When I went into aesthetics, it was because I wanted to create a business for myself. I realized that if I could run an aesthetics business, then why don't I run a dental hygiene business? Because I'm a micro business within a business. That then led on to yeah. articles. It led on to, you know, um, I'm now on the editorial board for some of FMC's publications. It led to KOL work with Oral-B, EMS, training um, clinicians. But I also um, love a challenge as well. So um, I started doing like 10Ks, half marathons. It always leads on to more. Like there's that drive, like I want to do more. Like once I've conquered that, I want more. Um, and you've always got to have that yeah. something to work towards. So after half marathon came marathon, after marathon came, okay, triathlon. And then I was like, well, ultimately, you know, next thing is at half, it was actually a half Ironman. I can't claim the Ironman status, but yeah, half Ironman. And um, <laughs> We're still impressed. We're still yeah. impressed. But, but during like the time of like doing that, I was doing so many other things with my work that you know you have to you have to almost give so much time to be able to train for an Ironman. So there's three elements. So for those that don't know, it's uh, you swim, you you cycle, and then you run. And a half Ironman is um, quite lengthy. Um, quite lengthy. It's a lengthy race. It's very long, and it finishes with a half a half uh, marathon. I couldn't commit the time to the training. <laughs> and so I, but the thing is, I never, I never backed out of it. And the reason for that is if I do anything, I will always finish it. And experience has taught me that everything I've ever done, I've always got to the end. Um, it might not have always been easy, but I've always got to the end. And so from experience, I know I can do anything I put my mind towards and I'll always finish it. I might not be the first, but I know I'll never be the last. And mm. so when I did it, I thought, you know what? All it is is a swim, it's a bike, and it's a run. And as long as I keep moving forward, <laughs> then I can do it. And so I, I literally, I got through but, it through mental, like just, just that, put one foot wow. in front of another, and you're never gonna, you're not going backwards, you know. But mm-hmm. but whilst the experience gives you that that ability to complete it, where does that never give up attitude come from? Because at some point you need to start building that experience. You know, you said you did. Um, uh, I don't know what was it a uh, park run you know mud run half marathon marathon I, half Ironman wh- wh- where does where does that kind of attitude that that kind of real doggedness come from to just want more did did that did that get instilled in you definitely in the army? definitely I think as well my, my dad he he ran he was in the army he ran for the combined services he was a long distance runner I think there was a little bit of like you know I'm not saying daddy issues but I wanted to always impress my dad so I would always be like look what I've done now right. look what I've done now and then when you're in the forces you know I was in I was with an infantry um, battalion and we'd have to get up at six in the morning on a Friday. And it was like a six mile run and you're running with like infantry soldiers. Like I wasn't running with them because I was not as fast as them, but I was never the last. And I was always, you always try your hardest. That's just a really big thing for me. Just always try your hardest. And it's just that desire to always find out what I'm capable of, you know? So once I knew I was... So do you do lots of adrenaline stuff then, like climbing uh, mountains? I mean, yeah, I've climbed mean, mountains, I've jumped out of planes. Yeah, I guess I guess there's an element of that as well. I never really thought about it in that capacity, but um, there's definitely this element of, I like I like to say I've... I've had, <laughs> I like to say when I've done something, I've achieved, I've achieved that. And, and I love the fact that I've done some things that other people wouldn't do. I don't know. That's definitely maybe a yeah. military thing. I actually like the fact that I've been in the military and 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 people are like shocked yeah. that I've done that. Yeah, and it's different. And I like the fact mm. that you know I can say I've done a half Ironman and people are like, oh gosh, wow, you did that. Um, it's nice. To, so what's next? what's next? What's next on your? Is it a full? Well, Ironman it was going to be a full Ironman. Are you thinking of something the, else? The half Ironman, yeah, broke me a little bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> 
met the challenge. <laughs> um, so, so I don't think I'd do a full Ironman because I think it'd be a bit dangerous to try and do those kinds of distances without being able to commit the time to the training. I think I am the training, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I what I would be capable of without dedicating the time to the training because it is it is taxing mm. on the body. You know, there's a reason why people. Yeah. So do you choose something or do you suddenly think, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to climb Ben Nevis or Snowdonia or up the reverse side or whatever it is. Is that, do you sort of plan something or is it something that you'll be thinking, oh yeah, oh, hello, that's the one. You'll see something. Is it sort Maybe of that a little bit more ad hoc like you just said there, the second one, like I'll see something and oh. go, oh, I fancy that. And I'll, I'll ring like a friend who I know would actually do it or my other half and I'll be like, we're going to do this. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh. I really fancy this. Let's 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 do it. And that's probably why I end up doing something with no training because I just fancy it. it looks good. I know I'll finish it because I'll finish. You know, I I, I plan to finish everything I start. Um, so I know that yeah. if I was at the mm-hmm. bottom of the mountain, I'd be at the top. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe uh, Everest will be a bit <laughs> a bit trickier than than most, but but I know I'll get yeah. to the top if I'm at the bottom of it. So on the day I'll finish it. But um, but yeah, that's probably why no training goes into it. It's not something I go. Oh, I'm going to train for that and then I'm going to do it. I just sign up. <laughs> I think it's a real mixture of your experience, confidence, and self visualization. Yeah, confidence it? is a you know, uh, yeah. You've that. got you've got a lot of confidence because of the things you've done. You've done things that have gone well, which gives you the experience mm. and that confidence link. But also, you you constantly talk in a in a future of yourself of the, of this these things that I'm going to achieve, and I don't know what they are yet, but I'm going to keep achieving yeah. things, and they'll they'll come at different times in different ways. I'm intrigued what but, your holidays are. Like. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. No. <laughs> do you do you go on a holiday? Do you go on holiday and relax, as in? Do you sit on a sun lounger in the sun or are you a bit like, oh, I've done that for 15 minutes. I need to go and do something else. I mean, what's your, what's your holiday well, got, like? Is it, what's a typical Claire holiday? We're building the extension, obviously with COVID and everything. So next year I'm definitely having one. I, I definitely go running. I go running in the morning when I go, when I do that, because then I can relax the rest of the day and it's a time for me to actually read a book. So I really like reading self-help stuff. And so I don't oh, get a lot of time okay. for that. And I, I, um, I love the fact the last holiday I went on was like 2019. I went on a long weekend. So that was the last holiday and I read a book in four days and that was nice. <laughs> oh, okay. good. Good. Um, we always finish up in the in the same way. We always ask our guests the same two questions. And the first one we always ask is, if you could be the fly on the wall uh, with somebody in a certain situation, what, what would that be? Where would you be and who would you be? Do you know what? I thought about this long and hard. And I really would love to be able to say something profound, like some sort of philosophy. It's amazing. <laughs> no, we've had lots Don't of... Don't worry, it's We've fine. had lots we've of had nonsense, no, honestly. Tough ones. Go, go with what <laughs> feels comfortable. One that came back to my head was um, I'd love to be on the fly on the wall with Amber Hearn and Jobby, Johnny Depp. Not through like the, you know, the, the stuff that's not so nice. Just to see if it really was a mega pint of wine. What is a mega pint of wine? <laughs> so probably Johnny Depp and Amber Hearn. Um, so yeah. And I, I kept going back. Wow, that's a, well, we definitely haven't had that one. <laughs> see what yeah. did happen there you know both of them it was very much through that whole situation it was like which which one of them uh, is saying the, the true account um so yeah and a mega pint of wine what does that look like I, I think what's i think what's fascinating in, in those situations always is that there was only one truth there was one reality of what actually happened in that moment but the way that people describe it from their own point yeah. of view is so markedly yeah. different and they're both describing a single event mm. and you're like well, which yeah. one of you is right? Because it only happened, you know, one thing happened. Yeah. So what, what, what yeah. version of it, 
What's I'm that? just now thinking about what is a mega pint a mega of wine? Pint of what wine? is a mega pint of yeah. wine? Is that like a, a bottle of wine in that yeah. big glass that they oh, used the to really have? Oh, the really big one. You know, yeah. really big glass. So is that like a I mega pint? Because that would be more than a pint, wouldn't it? I think it's fair to say that bad things fall out the back of mega pints of wine. I think yeah. we know we yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not a good plan. No. Not a good plan. No. Anyway, yeah, moving on. <laughs> and, our, and our last question is, if you could meet somebody, you were given the opportunity to, to meet somebody and sit down and have a mega pint of wine with somebody, who would you? Yeah. Who living, would you or, living or dead. <laughs> who would you sit um, down do with? You know what? I'd actually sit down with Bear, Bear Grylls, but I'm not sure it'd be a mega pint of wine. It might be a mega pint of like, grubs no. or something, which would be the worry. But um, yeah. yeah, Bear Grylls. Bones He'd be blood. an interesting character, yeah. wouldn't he? Yeah. He would. Yeah. He would. I've started watching some of the In the Wild stuff. I watched the the episode with Barack Obama yeah. again recently. And he it's almost a little bit like um, a live podcast in that the conversations they have and, and the things he puts people through. But he really is a, a, a good guy. I think he's a really mm. interesting yeah, definitely. guy. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. And I think he can teach a few skills. So, no, he'd be good. The, shit, the only thing would be if uh, you end up um, eating grubs at the end of it because people don't seem to say no to him. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I could do it. Yeah. It's quite interesting, isn't it, on that? And I, and I suppose you get back to personality. There was a bloke who... Was, is his name Ray Mears? Oh, yeah, Ray yeah, Mears. yeah. And you yeah, think, he was, you he remember, was Ray Mears guy. did all the same sort of stuff, yeah. but he's got nowhere near the profile of Bear Grylls. No. And, and that must just be about promotional person. I just thought it was fascinating. I used to love watching that thing, you know, how to cook a yeah. meal in the middle of Scotland yeah. or something, using yeah. your toenails yeah. to light fires. Or but going back to what you were saying earlier, Claire, about um, the things you learnt by going into the army in that basic training, I think a lot of the things that Bear Grylls doing, he's got that um, outdoor adventure thing. You've mm. probably seen it at the NEC at Birmingham, where yeah, oh, anybody sorry. can go, yeah, but yeah. young kids tend to go. And I know that he's doing um, a veterinary fitness thing, where lots of vets now get involved in in running fitness camps and and fitness events mm. for people. So he's doing loads of good things and tapping into elements of society which you don't obviously obviously think about. So yeah, no, I think he would be great. But I agree, you don't want to be drinking blood from a dead no. badger, no, do you? No. That's part of your date. Road. <laughs> Claire, we we appreciate your time. We know you've got a lot going on with work and builders and everything else. So it's been fabulous to spend time time, and catch up with you. We really appreciate it. And yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up again soon. That's been brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.